Okay, so if you'll remember last week, we looked in uh, Genesis, no, it was two weeks ago, I'm sorry, we looked in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, and you can go there, I'm just going to review real quick what we've already talked about as we still approached uh, those verses in Colossians that talk about husbands and wives, and what we did was we looked at God's design and His plan for relationships, God's design and plan for the world, and we said that, that we said two things, is that when God created Adam and Eve, that there was this uh, one, it was a harmony in these relationships, okay, and we said both, both the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship, you know, and we said uh, two things, we said one was that the relationship between Adam and Eve was a perfect complementary partnership, and that there was a harmony, that they weren't the same they were actually quite different, but they worked well together, okay? Um, and so what we mentioned was uh, men and women uh, were not the same. So I hope that isn't a shock to any of y'all. We're quite different. Um, and again, we're not going to talk about this subject, but what I did last week was I'll, I'll unpin this grenade and roll it in the room. Men and women are not re- re- interchangeable. We're quite different, okay? Um, and we spoke about that for a couple of weeks. Uh, we each have different and distinct roles in relationships. Uh, men and women were equal in value, but we're not equivalent in ability. Um, we're not the same and we're not interchangeable. And we even looked at, and science even supports this. If you remember, we said that even the brains of men and women are different, and men are better at some things, women are better than others. And, and I concluded by saying, women keep fighting for equality, and I keep saying, Why? Because in some areas, for you to be equal with men, you would, you would be downgrading in some areas. There's some things that you guys are vastly better than men at. Why would you want to be equal? Because you're already better than us at some of these things, right? And the second thing we said was that they viewed each other. Remember, we're still talking Adam and Eve, uh, this perfect relationship. They viewed each other um, and the Lord perfectly. Remember the last words in Genesis chapter 2. It says, the man and the wife were both naked and they felt, what are the words? No shame. And so that's the summary of God's perfect plan. Is that Remember that horizontal and vertical relationship, that horizontal was that they recognized that, that uh, Adam and Eve, that they worked better together, okay? And that there was work to be done in the garden. Like look at Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 15 real quick. This is before the fall of man. Verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Okay? And so, and so God gives man this job. He gives him work to do, which, by the way, is good. Work is not a result of the fall. Okay? So he puts him in the garden, and he says, I need you to work the land. And then if you'll remember, God creates all these things, and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he looks, and he sees Adam working by himself, and he says, for the first time ever, what are the words we hear? He says, he says hey, that's not good for man to be alone. And so he made a helper suitable for him. What was that helper for? Was the point of that relationship just to sit around and and talk and, and just be holy. No. The point of that relationship was to be in perfect communion with the Lord and what? To work towards a goal. It, it wasn't just to sit around and wait to die. Right? And the reason I emphasize this is because there's, there can be a subtle um, kind of false teaching going around that, 
what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it means what? Well, you say yes to Jesus, and if you're a good Christian, it means you come to church and you sit in that chair, you don't say anything, um, and you give a little bit of money when the plate passes, and if you're a super Christian, occasionally, occasionally, the pastor will say something and you'll go, mm. Everybody know that? Mm. Or the amen, right? And honestly, this is kind of what we communicate, or at least this is what's received by a lot of men, is what does it mean to be a believer in Jesus? It means that you accept Jesus in your heart, and then what? And then you just sit around and wait to die. Honestly. Like, for so many men, this is why the church, in a way, is losing men. Hey, hey, come say yes to Jesus. Great, I did. Now what? Now sit in that pew and don't say a word. There's nothing to do. You just sit and just rest and wait to die. That's what's communicated. And we wonder why we're losing men, by the way. And that's not biblical. The idea is that, man, once we come in this communion with one another and with God, now we get to work towards something that's eternal, right? Uh, look here. Look in chapter 3, verse 17. This is after the fall of man, one of the results of the fall of man. This is one of the curses. Chapter 3, verse 17. Look, now God says... He says, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Now look, cursed is the ground because of you through, what's what's the word? Painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. That's a different word. It's a different word in your English Bibles, and it's a different word in the original Hebrew Bible. In the original idea, God says, when we have this perfect communion, I want you to work. I want you to labor towards this thing, and work is good. As a result of the fall, he says, now you're going to toil. You're going to painfully toil. And so just let me say this, church. This is kind of a, a side note here. Is, is remember, and I, I hope, I hope you, you, you know my, my heart when I say this. Please, church, hear me say this. There's work to be done. Are you all with me? There's work to be done. And, and part of a church submitting to the Lord, submitting to the headship of Jesus Christ, means that sometimes we look and we say, maybe we need to stop toiling after these things, and maybe we need to start working towards these eternal things right? And man, I'm telling you, that's, that can be a life changer for believers, is that some believers, they're still toiling after things that are temporary. They're still trying to get the job. They're still trying to get the big house. They're still trying to get the money. And all of those, uh, let, me, let me be depressing here, it's all going to burn one day. You understand that, right? Everything that we're toiling for, one day it's going to burn. Or, as a believer, we can say, let's work towards eternal things. Rather than trying to build up my own kingdom, what if we try to disciple others? What if we try to invest in people? That's God's plan, is that we still work. So, so don't fall into that, that kind of false teaching of, hey, you're a Christian? Yeah. Okay, now just sit there and just do nothing. Just try to not sin. Man, you want to talk about a miserable life, by the way. Has anyone gone down that path? That it's just, hey, now just stop sinning and just... Just wait to die. Oh, man, that's horrible. Now we're called to work. We don't have to toil anymore, right? We can invest in people, and that's, that's a good investment, by the way. That's a good investment. Um, anyways, and then that was all their horizontal relationship, and the other thing we said was that that vertical relationship that they had with the Lord uh, was perfect and without shame, and they recognized 
that, that, that vertical relationship, that's their source for life. Okay? They did not look to any other person. This horizontal, they didn't look anywhere over here for their source of life. Okay? And so what we said last week was Adam didn't look at Eve. Again, this is before the fall. He didn't look at Eve and say, you complete me. Don't go Jerry Maguire on me on this. Okay? The truth is I am absolutely complete in my union with the Lord. And this, this woman over here, the truth is we work better together for, Lord's, for, for uh, the Lord's work in our lives than we do alone. She doesn't complete me. No, she's a helper. We work better together. Are you with me on that? So your spouse, your kids don't complete you. You're, you still even hear that some today. My kids are my life. Man, you want to put a burden on your children that they will cripple under. Start putting that on their kids. My kids are my life. No, they're not. Man, they're going to fail you. They're going to let you down. And you want to see their little hearts just crumble is, is to put that weight on them, right? Um, or my job is my life. Or, or my bank account is my life. Or my house. None of that. None of that was God's design. God's design is this, this is where I'm complete. And, and, and these are uh, other people that I work together, better together for the work of uh, God. And so our summary is that there was intelligent, between Adam and Eve, there was intelligent and willful submission and that there was a loving servant leadership. Okay, In Eve, there was intelligent, willful submission and in Adam, there was loving servant leadership. And so something to remember is that uh, we're going to start talking about um, that, that great verse that's often misunderstood is wives submit to your husbands. Real popular, right? All right, this is exciting, okay? Um, guys, don't amen at any point. Just trust me on this. So we're, we're starting down that path, but we need to remember, and hear me say this, submission um, and headship is not a result of the fall of man. That's not a result of sin. That was God's original design, was that his perfect plan was that there would be intelligent willful submission, and that there would be this servant leadership uh, from the man. They were already in place and for a distinct purpose. So look in, are you in Ephesians right now? So you may be thinking, why are we in Ephesians? We've been in Colossians this whole time. Well, Colossians and Ephesians are really sister letters. If you remember, this goes back to like the first two weeks. Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon would have been written at the same time. If you remember, they would have been sent by the same guy to the same area. Um, Colossians is written to a distinct church, and Ephesians is more of a circular general letter. And so if you ever read Colossians and then you read Ephesians, you will see they are almost identical in a lot of ways. And you will see there's even verses that are, it's almost as if Paul just got lazy and control C, control V from one to the other. It's like he wasn't even trying at some points, okay? And so in Colossians, it has, I mean, I'll read it. You don't have to flip there. Uh, in Colossians, we have the verses. This is where we are. It's chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Okay? So those two verses in Ephesians, what we can do is he kind of expands that in Ephesians. And so that's why we always want to, um, it's good to look in different uh, books to try to explain one uh, anyway. So that's where we're going to look in Ephesians for this topic today. So look in Ephesians. We're going to skip to the end, chapter 5. If you look at chapter 5, verse 22, 
uh, my section, it says wives and husbands. That's what that section is labeled. Okay. Um, so skip down. Well, here, let's just read the whole thing. Let's start in 22. And I'm just going to point out the end here. And remember, we're answering the question is, what's this purpose? Why did, is it God's design that there be submission and headship? Why would he do that? Why couldn't we both just both be co-pilots together? Okay, uh, Verse 22 of chapter 5. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. That answers part of our question of why is this God's design. It says right there, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's a quote directly from Genesis. Uh, This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So at this point, we've already read, and you'll see Paul says several times, he's talking about husbands and wives, and he's making this parallel with Christ and the church. And then I love that at the end, (laughs) he kind of makes it idiot-proof. He says, hey, this is a profound mystery. And then he says this, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. In case you didn't pick it up, I was laying it on pretty thick. This is what I'm talking about, Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so all this to say, remember God's design of this, and I'm going to keep saying this, intelligent, willful submission and this loving servant leadership, this is part of God's design because its purpose is it points to something else, okay? Uh, And so in Christian relationships, all of our relationships should be acting kind of as a parable. Y'all know what a parable is, right? A parable is Jesus tells a story, but there's a purpose behind the story, right? It's kind of a metaphor type thing. And what Scripture teaches us is, that the purpose of a husband and wife relationship is it points to the relationship of Christ and his church. That's God's design, this intelligent, willful submission and this loving servant leadership. And so uh, let me say this, everything that we talk about today, some people in this room aren't married, um, some people are too young, all this, you may be thinking this doesn't apply to me, but this is why I wanted to say that is because I was like that for years too. Anytime I would hear someone talk about husband wifeness, I'd say, "Well, this this is this is not in my wheelhouse. I don't need to worry about this." 
but everything we're saying is also true of Christ and his church. Okay? So it's really, if this is preached wrong, I, you could walk away with me saying, wives, submit, submit. You know, beating, and husbands, you could beat your wife over the head with your Bible. You could, you know, chain her to the stove in the kitchen and say, Colossians 3, Colossians 3. No, that's not, that's not the point here. The point is that this is an image of Christ and his, uh, his church. So uh, what we have then is when we have the fall of man, that intelligent, willful submission um, sometimes becomes manipulation or insubordination. And for men, that loving servant headship can become hostile domination or lazy indifference. Okay, And so men, uh, women can respond by rebelling against the headship of the husband by using guilt or manipulation. Um, and this is something even culturally. Do you know that we teach, and, and please start being aware of this, we teach little girls to manipulate. Do you all know that? Start looking for it. Is, and here's, here's the way it happens, and it's very easy to do, is that, uh, you know, imagine my daughter runs up and she says, Dad, can I have this thing? And I look at her and I say, Father has spoken. No. Okay? And she says, of course, Father, and skips away. Okay, that's fiction. Y'all should all know that. I say no. And she says, but I want, but I want. And, and then most of the time, what do little girls do? They go, can I please? Right? Now listen, and, and, and I struggle with this too. What's, what's the temptation there? The temptation is for me to go, what? Ah, oh, you're so cute. Oh, look, how can, and I say things like this. How can I say no to that? Or I do this, if you'll give me a kiss, if you'll give me a hug. Now, this is all cute, adorable stuff, but think about this, guys. What, what have I just taught my four-year-old? That the way she behaves can affect the outcome of things. The, the, she, and I've even taught her this. She can use her looks and her, and, and her body to affect the decisions of others. You want to talk about teaching a generation to manipulate? You better believe it. And I get it. Oh, I get it. I get it. I'm not, and don't think I'm like a robot dad. I get it. When my girls run in, they are adorable. And, and when, they, when they flutter their eyes and when they look cute, of course my heart melts, right? And it's hard, but I'm telling you, this is what our culture does is we teach little girls to manipulate, don't we? And, and we think, where are they learning all this? Man, they're learning it from as far back as they can remember, Right? And even these things that parents do, well, if you'll give me a kiss, if you'll give me a hug, what are we really teaching our children? If you behave and treat me this way, you can affect the, the uh, outcome of what I've said, you know? Rather than what I try to do is she comes up and says, can I have a thing? And I say no. And she says, oh, please, blah, blah, blah. And I say, oh, my gosh, I love you so much. The answer is still no, <laughs> right? And for her to realize that you can't. You can't manipulate. But isn't, is that not a result of the fall? Can't you see it even like in, in little girls? Like it's just ingrained in them and we kind of foster that, right? Um, and then same thing with men is that this servant headship has, can become hostile domination or even lazy indifference. Um, men can respond by passively letting their wives uh, rebel or trying to beat them into submission, Right? And we probably know stories of either one. And when I say beat, I don't mean physically. Sometimes that is true, but I also mean emotionally or spiritually. They just try to beat their wives down uh, to getting them to do what they want. And, and really the scriptures even speak that even for a man to just be passively uh, lazy, he's, they say that's just as bad. That's just as bad, you know. It's for a man to say, eh, just whatever. 
And so I've even heard a preacher say, and I love this, is that some of you men, you need to go home and you need to stop arguing with your wives. But I'll say this, some of you men need to go home and get in an argument with your wife. Because some of y'all, you're, you've just checked out. And, and he said, some of you, it's just anything that comes along, your response is, eh, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know? And if you, if you want to see a, a woman slowly just lose her, her drive, her womanness, is, is to connect her with a man that's completely passive. And we, and we think it's kind of cool, like, oh, he's so easygoing. Men, your, your job, your role... Uh, your exhortation from the Lord is, is to help say, hey, let's go this direction. And at, at, at times to say, hey, I, I really feel like this is where our family should go. And so I remember when a preacher said that. He says, some of you men, you need to go home and you need to get into an argument with your wife. It's time. <laughs> you need to stand up and say, I feel like this is what God's calling me to do. Um, and so anyways, so now what? Uh, what's the solution? Remember we said those, that vertical and those horizontal They've both been fractured as a result of the fall. And now what you have is you have a, a lot of relationships or you have two people looking to each other to satisfy them, right? And it's like two leeches trying to suck the life out of one another. That's, a, that's kind of a gross illustration, but I can't think of a better one, right? You have two leeches trying to suck the blood, suck the life out of one another, and they're wondering why they're always angry at each other, right? Um, and the world's solution is that we know the world is broken. Everyone knows it, and we're all trying uh, to fix it. And, man, we've been operating outside of God's design ever since then. And when anything is, is functioning outside of its design, it just doesn't work, right? This is why you can go into any bookstore, and what's the, one of the largest sections is what? It's usually a self-help section. And this is why a huge market for books is relationships and husbands and wives. Why is that? Because we're broken and we're trying to fix it. And we're trying to figure out, hey, how can I fix myself? Or even how can I manipulate and fix my wife or my husband to become something that they're not really designed to be? And we wonder why we're all frustrated and mad at each other, right? Um, and so God's solution, and this is kind of where we arrived at two weeks ago. I'm still doing the introduction. Golly, Sorry. God's solution is not that he's going to destroy the created order, but his solution is he's going to recover it. Or the Christian word we use is he's going to redeem that what which was. And so God's solution is he wants to redeem man back to what was happening in the Garden of Eden, where there was this perfect union vertically, and there was this perfect union horizontally, and that we didn't view one another as a means to an end, but we recognized my source for life came from my communion with uh, the Lord, and that these people are here to work together for the Lord's uh, work that He's put in front of us, right? And so, uh, to return to God's original design for relationships. And so, He wanted to redeem relationships uh, through a sacrifice. You remember that? Whenever Adam and Eve, uh, you remember they, they messed up, and then God came looking for them, and what did they do? They hid. They, and so for the, why is that? For the first time ever, they felt shame. And so they hid, and you remember they manufactured some clothes out of fig leaves, which took some effort. And, and this is, please don't miss this. You want to talk about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. God shows up, and he sees their coverings, and he says, your sin and your shame cannot be covered by your efforts. And what does he do? He says, here, take this, what? 
Skin. Okay, where did he get the skin? He had to go kill something. And it's an image of the cross of Jesus Christ is that your sin must be covered by what? Blood. Only blood can cover and atone for sin because the life of the creature is in the blood. So don't miss that, that God, again, and even he provided. Don't, don't miss that. He didn't say, hey, Adam and Eve, you guys need to go kill one of my antelopes or whatever. He said, hey, I'll be right back. And God goes over and he takes the life of a creature, kills it, and then brings it and says, only this will cover and atone for your sins. Only the blood of a creature can cover and atone for your sins, right? And so we get an image of this redemption through sacrifice. And uh, this, the second thing I want to say is the first thing I said was God's gospel solution was he redeemed relationships through sacrifice. The second thing is he wants to model this redemption in his church, okay? Are you in Ephesians again? Look at Ephesians... Uh, chapter 1, uh, just look at verse 22. This is where we see God's primary method for evangelism. God's primary method for telling the world about Jesus is through relationships. Okay, uh, Look at verse 22. He says, And God placed all things under His feet, that's a reference to Jesus, and appointed Him to be head over everything for the, what's the word? Church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so why do we preach the church so much here is because the Lord has spoken to us over and over in Scripture. He says, if I'm going to do anything on earth, do you know what I'm going to do it through? I'm going to do it through my church. He says, I'm going to do, and when I say church, I do not mean Sunday morning, I mean his people, okay? His people um, acting as full-time ministers of reconciliation, to model this reconciliation, and the, this idea of God redeeming man. Remember, not destroying the created order, but redeeming to what it was. He said, this should filter through all your relationships, and, and Paul answers the question, you said, well, where should this begin? Paul says this should begin in the Christian home. And so Colossians chapter 3, which is what we're starting, this is why Paul starts with, he says what? He says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then he says what? Husbands, submit to your wives. And then what does he do? He says, hey, parents, take it easy on your kids. And then he says, oh, hey, hey, hey slaves and masters, be nice to one another. And then he also says, oh, and hey, I want you to be weary of how you act towards everyone. And so this week, go study Colossians chapter 3, and you will see that it, this redemption of relationships that God wants to model through his church, it filters through everything, but it starts in the Christian home. And so uh, I think we always ask that question like, you know, we want to change the world. Uh, how are we going to do that? And God says, I want you to do it starting inside your home. Starting inside your home, okay? And so look here. Um, let's pick it up in Ephesians chapter 5. Start in uh, verse 15. So we're, we're finally arriving. We've been approaching for a couple weeks this idea of what is submission and what is headship. And so we're finally arriving there. Look at verse 15 of chapter 5. We'll just start there. 
It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence uh, for Christ. Verse 22. Wives and husband, or Wives, submit to your husbands as... To the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Uh, and then it goes on, what husbands love your wives. Okay, so notice that Paul begins this section of submission. The first thing he says is, hey, I want you to what? Submit to one another. Okay? You see that break between chapter 20, uh, verse 21 and 22? Does everybody's Bible have a break there? It starts a new section. Those, those sections are not original. Those are added later on. Paul did not push enter twice on his keyboard and make a break it just went on that that section that it starts verse 22 and says wives and husbands that's added later and really probably shouldn't be there because this is under the topic of what does it mean to submit to one another so anytime you look at that verse that says wives submit to your husbands don't read chapter uh, verse 22 without reading verse 21 because Paul has just said hey this is a mutual submission Okay. Now, this idea of submission is—it's often misunderstood. And remember, we are talking about <clears throat> wives submitting to husbands, but we're also talking about what does it mean for a church to submit to the headship of Christ. It's very misunderstood. Um, I know that submission in my life—any, golly, you just hear the word and you—you you think of like at least I do. You think of someone just getting beaten down, right? Is that I just—I come in and I'm just terrified and. I, I approach you, and I'm, I can't even look you in the eyes, and that anything you say goes. A lot of times we think that submission is just we lose all our identity. We lose this, the ability to think, right? But I'm telling you, in my life, uh, this idea of submission has led to the greatest joy in my life as well, okay? Um, there are plenty of times where I'm thinking, gosh, I'd really, I'm having a conversation with God. I'm thinking, I'd really like to go do this thing. And he says, hey, I don't want you to do that thing. I want you to do this thing instead. And at first, I look at that and I think, man, for me to submit to that, that sounds pretty lame. Like, that's, there's not going to be any joy in that. But the truth is that every time in my life when I have submitted to what the Lord has called me to do, it leads to my greatest joy. It does. And so, um, I want to talk real quick about what does this mean? What is biblical submission? Okay? Uh, before I do, I want to talk about what it is not. Um, I've... <laughs> I've only seen the uh, I've only seen the uh, preview. I haven't seen the actual movie. We need to watch it. Did anyone see the Stepford Wives? The new one it came out in like two thousand two, two thousand four. Okay, that was a rousing response. I can see everybody's seen it a lot. Uh, but the Stepford Wives, I, I don't know anything about it. But the preview looked pretty funny. It's this idea that these these people move into this community, and what happens over time are these the wives go from being a normal healthy, loving person, and over time they become kind of this robotic, like perfect image of what a wife should be, right? And it's like, 
they even like they're just they always have their hair done and they always have makeup and they're always wearing one of those dresses and you know they they vacuum the house wearing heels you know real realistic stuff stuff like that um, and all they do is just sit around and just wait on their husbands left or right. And, and here's the whole point. I should have played the video the clip, but um, I don't know how to work a computer. Well, let's just be honest. Um, the, the point is that uh, I think a lot of times when we hear submission, that's what we think is we become this brainless uh, just robot. And so let me say this. Submission is not, and I'm speaking to wives in here, and I'm also speaking to the church. Uh, submission is not mean that we agree on everything, Okay. I just want to be extremely practical. For a wife to submit to her husband, it doesn't mean that, that anything the husband says, we just, that you just go, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good, that's good. Uh, wives, we really need your input. Did you know that? We need what you have. We do. Uh, submission is also not surrendering all thought and influence. We need to hear your concerns we need to hear your influence. We need to hear your thoughts on things because you have a much better perspective than we do on a lot of things. Okay? Uh, submission is not putting the will of the husband before the Lord. Uh, let me say this. I'm just gonna, it says this in my notes. I'll just read it. The headship of the husband is not ultimate. Jesus Christ is. Okay? And so it does not mean that you put the headship, the will of the husband before the Lord. Um, submission is also not wives getting your identity from your husband. You have not lost your identity, okay? Your identity does not come from your husband. Your identity comes from the Lord, comes from Jesus Christ. Um, and then submission is also not living or acting in fear, okay? Uh, what it is is submission is intelligent and willful submission to affirm the husband's leadership. And that means at times you might disagree. Um, that means at, at times you might be at each other's throats for a little bit. Uh, but what it also means is that I'm telling you which, what you can do. Women, do you know the power that you have? It is incredible. It is incredible. The, uh, the influence that you have uh, to affirm um, or to tear down your husband. Man, I'm telling you, I've, I've you know, I've had people say mean things about me, and um, it hurts my feelings a little bit. But my spouse, with one, and it doesn't, it doesn't hardly ever happen, with one comment, she can destroy me. You know what I mean? And she doesn't do it. She doesn't. But, I mean, the, the power that she holds. And with one comment, oh, man, she can make me feel like a million bucks. Do y'all follow me on this? Man, women. And, and this is what the Lord calls um, of you guys. And by the way, I would, I'd rather have that job than the husband's job of to love the wife as Christ loved the church. We'll talk about that next week. But my gosh, the, the influence that ladies you can have on your man with just one comment. This is what I know. Listen, I, I know it's hard to be a, a woman. I mean, I don't know personally but I know it is. But this is what I can also say, and, and I'll stand up for the men because this doesn't happen very often. It is hard to be a man. Oh my gosh. In, in our culture, this, I promise you, it is so difficult to be a man of God. Unbelievably difficult. And women, the incredible power that you can have just letting your man know hey, you're a good man. You're a good man. 
Because that, that lie is constantly running through our head. Am I even, am I even a good man? Am I even, do, I, do I even have what it takes? Am I really a man of God? You know? and, and men, we can, men can be unbelievable men of the Lord. Incredible. But we can still hear that nagging voice of, you're not doing enough. You know? Do you remember at the end of, um, at the end of Saving Private Ryan... If you, I'm not, I'm spoiling it, but if you haven't seen it yet, it's your own fault, okay? But at the end of Saving Private Ryan, uh, you know, they finally save Private Ryan, which is what the movie's about, which are, those are my favorites, that the title of the movie is also the plot. It's easy for me to follow. But do you remember at the end, Private Ryan, he's, he's an old guy now, and he's standing over the grave of, I think it was the, the, the general or whoever who came after him, and he, Private Ryan had done these unbelievable things clearly a decorated war hero and do you remember the part he looks at his wife and he goes tell me i'm a good man right i hope that hits you hard because that i'm telling you that's what it means to be a man is that you can do anything and everything but there's still this nagging voice of hey you're not good enough and all this to say wives man don't view submission as just this putting yourself down but if you want to affirm the men in your life, even your dads, your uncles, your brothers, anything, just speak truth into them. Just speak truth into them. Because um, men, sometimes we don't get a lot of that representatives. You know, I think, because I think what's spoken to us is what? Tough it up. Just be a man. God, just get it together. Those, <laughs> those are the pep talks we get, by the way. Okay? It's, just be a man. Well, what does that even mean? My gosh. And so all that to say, um, man, it will affirm your husband's uh, leadership. And so let me close by saying this. God's plan is this intelligent, willful submission as an image of the church submitting to Christ. And that the husband leads with this servant leadership. And let me say... uh, one more thing here. God's plan is that there is a partnership towards a common vision. Okay? This does not work if there's not a partnership or if there's no common vision. Um, if we go back to this idea that my, that my spouse or any relationship, any relationship at all, whether it's our kid, our employer, our employees... If in any relationship we start viewing them as our source for life, this doesn't work. The whole thing falls apart. If we, if we take our focus off that vertical that the Lord is my source for life and these people are here to work with me, it doesn't work. If there's not a partnership, it doesn't work. And the second thing I said is if there's not a common vision, this doesn't work. And so this is what I mean. is I want you to imagine, and we'll stick with Paul's illustration, Imagine a husband and a wife are in a relationship, and they're, imagine they're driving in a car. Okay, This is what submission looks like, by the way. Imagine they drive up, and there's a stop sign, and the husband says, hey, I think we should go left. And the wife says, hey, I think we should go right. Okay, Now, now here's, here's the point. Who's right? I hope you recognize we're missing some information, aren't we? I hope you recognize that. What information are we missing? Where are we going? Yes. That, if, we don't, if we don't have a vision, 
if, if the husband and the wife are sitting in the car and they're just saying, we're just going for a drive, of course you're going to, who, who's right and who's wrong? Neither. How can I submit and how could I lead if we don't even know where we're going? But if we get in the car and I say to Kinsey, let's drive to, let's get some bad Mexican food. Let's go to Chewy's, okay? Sorry. If I say, let's go to Chewy's, and we get to a stop sign, and I say, let's go left and let's go right, now everything has changed, hasn't it? Right? Is that it may be possible that I look at her or she looks at me, and we recognize, hey, that, that direction that you're wanting to lead our family, that's not... That's not correct. Or it might even be this. Hey, we could take a left or a right and we'll get there. Both ways will get there. But I'm going to, let's, let's go your way today. Let's see what happens. That's what submission is, okay? But, but don't miss that. If there's no vision, and, and I think I've just described a large percentage of marriages, right? What's the vision for your marriage? Do you want to know the vision for most marriages? If you ask most men, well, I shouldn't say most, a lot. I don't know. I, I am convinced if you ask most men, what's the vision for your marriage? It's this right here, to try to not piss off my wife too bad, right? And, and this, is, this is why you hear things like happy wife, happy life. For many couples, that's their vision, is for the man to, well, I'm just going to try to not screw up too bad. And then we wonder why when in our marriage we come up to a point and we say, are we going left or are we going right? We wonder why we're at each other's throats. Well, we don't even know where we're going, right? Uh, and I'm talking, if you want to talk about the three biggest reasons for divorce, without fail, it's, it may be in different order, it's sex, communication, and money. Without fail. The three biggest reasons that marriages fail. Sex, communication, money. And so I want to at least ask this question. Do you have a vision in your marriage for money, for communication, and for sex? Or is your vision just, let's try to not screw this up too much? Okay? Because if there's no vision towards those things, I promise you, this, this drive that you're on, you're just going to wander aimlessly, and you're just going to fight and argue the entire time. Right? Versus if we have a vision for our money, I'll just use that example. If we have a vision for our money, then when we come up to a part that says, hey, should we turn left or turn right? If we have a plan, like in our family, one of our rules is we will not finance more than one thing at a time. We won't do it. And so when something gets dropped in our lap of, hey, act now, here's a great thing you can have, we can look at each other and say, well, we're already financing our couch. So the answer to that is no. Right? We've already answered that question. Why? Because we have a vision. We know where we're going. Right? And Scripture speaks of this. Where there's no vision, the people perish. And this is so true. And so that's such a great image of what submission and headship is. Is Yeah, one person needs to be at the wheel. Okay? This isn't driver's ed where there's two wheels and two brake pedals. It doesn't work that way. But God's design is that, yeah, the husband is at the wheel but the wife is sitting right next to him, and there's times where they come up and they say, hey, where should we go here? And it always goes back to, well, where are we going with this thing? And even, it even goes, let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. In our marriage, what are we working for? Not what are we toiling after. What are we working for, right? How, how are we going to make more of the kingdom of God doing this thing? How, how can we make more of the kingdom of God 
with our finances, with our communication, even with our sex, with a healthy sex life. Very important, by the way. Because the Lord has said, the number one thing I'm going to use to tell people about Jesus Christ is what? My church. Relationships. People. Okay? And this is why it's so important to get people into your life, get people into your home. And so when people come into our home, do they see, if they see Russell just beating down Kinsey, what's that going to speak of Christ in his church? You know? Or, or if they see Russell just... just 1,000% passive, not leading his family at all, just eh, whatever, I don't care. What's that going to say about Christ and his church, right? Or if they get into your home, if they get into your life and they recognize, wow, there, there's a mutual submission to one another. This family has at least a, a rough vision of where they're going, right? There is intelligent, willful submission of the wife, and there is a servant leadership, headship of the husband, that speaks volumes of the church. God's going to change the world, and He's going to do it through relationships. He's going to do it through His church. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, remember, every, we, we read this at least three times. Paul says over and over, he says, uh, this image of the husband and wife of the church, this is my body. Okay. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take communion. This is such a great image of, again, Husbands and wives, all relationships, thank God we're not the same, by the way, that we're all so distinct, we're all so different, but we're all a part of the collective whole. And so what we want to do is we want to take communion to remember that, um, and to remember uh, the, the, the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And remember even what we said when we looked at, well, we didn't look at it, but Genesis chapter 3, that that God says, hey, these fig leaves aren't going to cover your shame. It only is through the blood of a sacrifice. And so that's part of one of the reasons we take communion. Um, our communion table is not that impressive, you may notice, but I don't think Jesus's was either. If anything, that historical uh, film, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, taught us um, that the cup Jesus you know, the cup that Jesus chose was pretty, uh, it probably was a Dixie cup is what I'm going with here. So, um, uh, but we've got, what we'll do is I'm going to pray for a minute, um, and you're welcome to come up at any time. We're going to play a song on the video, and then we're going to worship. We've got like three songs that we'll do together, and so we want this to be a worship time. You don't have to rush up here. You don't have to come up here at all if you don't want to. Um, but you'll, you'll pour your own juice, and the bread's under here, and I got these tong thingies from the kitchen, and so please tear off a piece of bread. I know it's kind of flu season right now, so try to use those tongs. Um, if you spill juice, it's going to be fine. We'll be okay. So um, let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll do this. So, Father, thank you for uh, today. Lord, thank you for uh, the image of... Christ and His church uh, through marriage. Lord, thank You for Your plan. Um, and we pray right now as we take communion, Lord, help us to remember and to do this in remembrance of You, uh, that it wouldn't be about anything else, Father. Um, and help us to remember what this, uh, what this means. And um, I, pray for the, for, I pray for everybody in here. I, I pray for the men and the women, Lord. I know it's hard to be a woman in this world. I also know it's hard to be a man. But God, we pray that we would recognize the influence we have on one another. 
Uh, and I, I pray for the women that, that they would recognize the incredible influence they have um, on the men in their lives and just to affirm them, uh, what that does, and, and the life that that breathes into them. Uh, I pray we would not take that for granted. And then, Lord, um, even this week, and we'll talk about it next week, Lord, show us as men what does it mean to to love our wives as Christ loved the church. What does that even mean? And I uh, pray we, we would take it um, very seriously and that we would find joy in that as well. And so help us to understand submission and to find joy in it, Father. That's our prayer. Amen.